You're listening to All Things Video, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and today's guest is Chris Roebuck, founder and CEO of Clicktivated. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, James. Yeah, happy to be here. Glad we could do this. Awesome. Yeah, I wanted to start off by talking about how you originally found your way into media and entertainment. Oh, how do I find my way? Well, it's it's kind of a long yet short story. I mean, my background's always been in, in marketing um, and advertising and just based on some of the, the glaring holes and challenges that I was kind of experiencing at my, my post or my, my previous life in the agency world, I saw there's a lot of different ways to, to kind of help in a pretty broad fashion. And the, the technology that we built ultimately kind of led us in that direction towards media, entertainment, um, and we're doing some really cool things within the world of video. That's awesome. So you started in the agency space, but then 2010, you launched your first venture, Sky Apps. I'm curious, you know, what, what inspired you to start that business? Uh, well, I, uh, I, at that point, I was determined to kind of branch out and go out on my own. Um, and I wanted to do something in, in tech. I just didn't really know what. Um, and after just kind of looking around and again, looking at some of our my previous experience and figuring out where some of the holes were, we set out to create an app because apps were like all the rage back then. And even at the, the early side of, of the app boom, if you will. And uh, we wanted to create something that would, in that case, um, help draw consumers um, into physical brick and mortar stores through um, some type of geofencing that would allow you know, a Home Depot or a Target or a Walmart or something, somebody like that to reach out to their consumer when they knew they were close to the store and trying to incentivize them to come in. Because, um, you know, even just 10 or 11 short years ago at this point, e-commerce was way different than it was today. And it was obviously a thing and it was growing, but brick and mortar was still the main focus. And then how we could get people in the doors uh, was what we were trying to do. Nice. Uh, so had you always considered yourself an entrepreneur? Um, kind of deep down I had, or I did, um, or I still do, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, back in college, we, we created our own company, me and a buddy. So yeah, I've always kind of had that, that spirit and that blood in me to, to kind of branch out and, and do something that ultimately was going to be impactful to, to the world and, you know, wanted to put in the time, wanted to put in the effort and, and had, you know, hopefully, or fortunately some good experience along the way that ultimately led us here today. That's great. What was the hardest part about being a first-time founder? Um, basically not knowing anything. Um, there, is, there is an incredible amount that needs to be learned through the experience of what it is to be an entrepreneur and a founder. And, you know, the, the outside perspective of like the glitz and glamour being a founder and you've got your own hours and it's just this big, great thing. Well, when you're going into something for the first time, there's only so much you really can do to educate yourself going in. So I always had the mindset to just go in, be vulnerable, kind of know where your weaknesses are, try to surround yourself with really good people and just, just dive in head first. It's you're not always going to nail it. You just have to get in there. You got to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And just, I've always believed in this continuing to strive to, to always be better every day in terms of everything that we're doing because if you're not evolving if you're not critiquing if you're not kind of learning from what happens every day then you're just kind of stuck in neutral so i i have learned a lot of that along the way but going into it it was just 
kind of realizing that you're probably not going to nail this in the first couple months and you just need to, to kind of stay patient and just learn through it. Yeah. Great advice. Right. I think a lot of people, especially when I, you know, mentor students uh, in undergrad or talk to, you know, first time founders, there's this glitz and glamour of, of entrepreneurship that, you know, the reality is often much different than, than what the perception is. It is definitely different. It's, I mean, it's the long hours. I mean, the, the grind of traveling all the time, having to, to wear 50 different hats at any given point in time. But yeah, it's the experience comes with time. And if you're willing to learn, if you're willing to kind of figure out what it is that, that you can do better, then, you know, you've got the right mindset. But if you go in and think, oh, I'm just going to start something and immediately Google's going to come buy it for a billion dollars, then you, my friend, are in the wrong game. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, you start with Sky Apps doing, doing projects in the mobile space, and then you went on to co-found Enlightened Technologies in 2011 to focus more on geolocation data acquisition. Yep. So what was the, the pivot there? What was the, the inspiration behind uh, Enlightened? Um, well, it, it was a lot of kind of inspiration from, from the, the previous venture. Um, what we added to that was a lot more of uh, in-field data gathering. Um, it was, it was actually a lot of crossovers between sky and enlightened. So, um, there's really not much more to, to say because a lot of the, the product carried over and then there just were some new features that we, we started to add on. Um, we ultimately wound up in an international market, which was kind of crazy. We wound up down in Brazil. Hmm. Um, and then why Brazil out of curiosity, was that why Brazil specifically? Um, it was a market that was. Um, more ripe towards that type of um, technology and disruption at the time. They were, you know, behind what we were doing here in the States. And the idea of being able to draw the consumer into a brick and mortar was just more valuable down there when we launched. But it really wasn't too far into that journey where we really started to, to, to kind of dig into this idea of interactive and shoppable video. Um, and then eventually kind of during that, that venture, we decided there was opportunity there and then we decided to focus all of our, our efforts and resources into uh, Clicktivated. Awesome, so that was uh, what kind of gave you the idea, right? As you're working down in Brazil on this project and then see more of an opportunity in, in uh, interactive or shoppable video, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it had always been a, a personal frustration of mine. And at that point in time, you know, finding myself watching more and more video online, um, you know, I. I I've always considered myself to be uh, somewhat of an early adopter of everything. I'm not, when it comes to e-com, I, I remember back like in 1999, sitting in class and pulled my phone out. It was a, I think it was like a Mo Motorola time port. And at that point you had web access, but it was just all kind of, it was a black and white screen, no images, all text. And I remember I bought something off of Amazon through class. And I was like, this is just bizarre. And at that point, Amazon's um, website had like, especially their mobile site had like 10 products. They had like nothing. But the fact that I was able to do that checkout and it was just like crazy in terms of the ability to do that. And then, you know, moving forward as e-com started to really evolve. Um, and as I mentioned a little while ago, as I was watching more and more video online. I was always finding myself seeing something that I wanted to buy. I mean, just the consumer in me was coming out all the time. 
it was like, that's a really cool shirt. Like, what is that? Like, I love that coat. I don't know what brand it is. Like, where do I get that? How expensive is it? What, what is it? So, you know, I sat back and I was thinking about it one day and it was like, look, video was still a completely passive form of media and communication. And the rest of the world was rapidly evolving into something that was touchable, clickable, interactive. Touch screens were starting to become more and more prevalent at that point in time. I think the iPhone had been out for um, maybe a year or so when we first started kicking the idea around. Maybe I'm actually dating it too much, but um, it was just becoming more and more of a thing. So we were like, all right, we want to solve this challenge. Video eventually is going to become some type of interactive experience. It's going to move more towards that. But then to us, there was such a bigger opportunity because we wanted to effectively help monetize content as well. And it's not the ads before and the ads during and the ads around. It was about how do we then unlock this new massive opportunity that was monetizing inside the video? So like sweater I'm wearing and the shirt you're wearing, like whatever it happens to be, there should be that direct path to commerce because it's good for the consumer. It's great for the brand. And it's also good for the content creator if they happen to be all separate. So we, uh, we set out down that path. Fantastic. And you touched on this, but you know, shoppable video is wildly popular, extremely lucrative in the East, specifically China, but we haven't seen as much adoption in the US to date. Any idea on why that might be? The markets are always going to be very, very different. And the consumers in China have been very mobile centric for years, just because their infrastructure wasn't what we had. They just, they were forced to go into mobile sooner. And you're right, mobile live stream shop, shoppable video specifically has been a big thing over there for years. And, you know, why is it not taken off here in the States is, you know, there's, there's a couple of main reasons. There's definitely a cultural reason. In China, there was a culture wrapped around this type of experience. Um, the, in the US, there wasn't early on as much of a need because, you know, fortunately we had access to kind of any and everything that we wanted here in the States, where in China, they didn't necessarily have all the direct access that, that we would hear. And it became a thing there because people were physically going into stores and like live streaming the products that they were seeing and showing that like these are available, this is where you get them. It started out really kind of in our more of a archaic sense, but then it evolved more into a, an experience that allowed you to actually transact. So um, like anything, timing has a lot to do with it as well. The, the American and the consumer was just not primed and ready for yet because it had not been presented to them in any meaningful way. You didn't have brands pushing it. You didn't have the platforms really pushing it. You just, it wasn't there. So therefore to them, it, it didn't exist. So now fast forward to today, um, there is a definitely a very rapidly growing need in the market from a brand perspective, a retail perspective um, to create a different experience for the consumer because COVID has absolutely shifted the mindset not only of the consumer in a big way and created new expectations and wanting everything quick fast convenience but from the brand they now know they have to keep up with the consumer and they have to do it very quickly because consumers are always way ahead of the brands but in this case brands have had to adopt very quickly because their stores were closed people didn't want to go into the stores everything was shifting online and they needed to create that better branded experience for themselves online and it started out where brands were really looking into recorded shoppable content. And now they're evolving into having that ability to then live stream and have that content shoppable. And that goes back to the original thesis that all video 
eventually it will morph itself into some type of interactive and shoppable experience to make it you know, more beneficial for everybody involved. And where do you see the brands taking this activity? Is it living on their owned and operated websites? Is it going to happen on Amazon Live, social platforms like Instagram, Twitch, YouTube? What do you suspect is, is uh, playing out there? I, I believe over time, it's, it's going to be everywhere. Um, what we're seeing from a brand perspective is brands are becoming more sensitive and brands want to become more of a content aggregator and they want to become a content hub. I mean, until now, the, uh, the strategies behind content were social and YouTube and that was it, right? So big brands were like, all right, we need to, we need to get our video out here. But then as things have evolved, as things have changed, brands are now starting to be like, wait a second, we have a massive footprint and we want to be able to basically control the, the content, we want to have it on site, we want to create that better experience. And they are now starting to understand that the social platforms and any of the major content platforms, I should just say, um, they're, they're, they're great if you're looking for a, a cheap impression, but at the end of the day, they are not conversion engines. They're, there's no way to actually drive a sale. And you know the dirty little secret's always been, although they're pushing their own products on those content sites, they don't want you to leave. They don't make money when you leave. So, you know, they're, they're talking about, oh, you know, we want, we want you to be able to create this, these opportunities and this is so valuable. But then the brands are all of a sudden like, wait a second, we're spending all this money and all we're just getting is, is impression data and there's really no way to click out. The methods that you do have just are not effective anymore because they're, they're links below the video. They're putting carousels, which takes typically really strong content and makes it look like an ad, which is a huge negative nowadays. So um, brands now want to really control the flow of content. They want to really just create that better experience for their consumer. Awesome. You know, one of the things I've been following pretty closely is the Kwai Show uh, IPO that's set to happen, you know, later this year. They're gearing up to raise $5.4 billion. And I, I suspect that a big part of that war chest is going to be deployed to help them move west, right? They, they see the opportunity in the U.S. market. They've dabbled with this through their uh, TikTok competitors in last year. You know, do, do we think that there, these players in China and other parts of Asia are going to expand into the U.S.? Or do you think that, you know, some of the existing larger glo global players or, or some of the big U.S. tech companies are leaning into live streaming and shoppable video? I, that is a really good question and time will tell, but there's no doubt that a lot of the, the big players in the international market specifically all have their sites on the U.S. market because of the size of the market and the fact that there is such an enormous opportunity right now to continue to evolve what it is that we're doing and, and making it easier to shop and then stream video. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what ultimately shakes out of all this. But yeah, there's no doubt that the U.S. market represents a huge opportunity for any of these other tech companies around the world. And it's going to, uh, it's going to create, you know, more competition down the road, which, which is okay. Cause at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's the best technology, the best user experience is going to win. And, um, yeah, that's information like that just further validates to us that, you know, we're in the right place, right time, things are happening. And, you know, this idea of shoppable and interactive video, isn't just like an idea anymore. It's like actually physically and tangibly happening in the market. Who do you see as the early adopters, right? When I think about shoppable video, I think about fashion and beauty in particular, and then also, uh, you know, something like network comes to mind where they're using 
live streaming to drive uh, limited drops or these special collaborations with artists. It's, a lot of it's kind of oriented around streetwear or sneakerhead culture. You know, are those on the bleeding edge or are you seeing some other types of retailers or other verticals really embracing Shoppable? Uh, we're, I mean, we're seeing almost every vertical at this point really leaning into to interactive. Um, and what we're calling interactive in this case because it's not, it's not 100% of the time about driving the, the engagement to create a, a quick path to sale, depending on the category. It's still about getting that initial touch point with the consumer to, to help inform and educate them on whatever happens to be. Um, auto, for example, is becoming a bigger, bigger part of our business because they are looking for tools. They are desperately looking for ways to then engage their, their consumer and the, either the, the pre-purchase phase, the, the post-purchase phase. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity in that market. But yeah, I mean, what we're seeing, we're seeing kind of interest and demand across the board, which speaks to just the, the broader idea of what video is and ultimately what it's become and then what it's becoming as we continue to move forward. Awesome. What's coming next? If you had to make three predictions for the future of the media and entertainment space, what would they be? Three predictions. Um, <clears throat> number one, not to sound like a broken record, but absolutely some type of, of, of a more interactive experience where it should be able to get whatever piece of information or product outside of or from content um, on your own terms. I do think the customized experience is going to become a bigger and bigger thing as we move forward and the amount of um, data that is being able, that is collected, that is being aggregated to effectively serve you exactly what you want, when you want it. But then that's nothing new to serve content, but then specifically when it involves around all of the product and, and different item interaction data that is being served to know exactly that you like certain products over here, certain products there, and then how do we meld all those together and be able to offer them to you knowing you, what your interests are. Um, and then three, I just think the amount of content is just gonna continue to explode. Um, I mean, video has grown exponentially over the last you know five to seven years, which is, I remember when, when we crossed the 1 billion daily view threshold, which seemed crazy. And now we're way north of 20 billion. So it's just, video is gonna continue to take off. Um, I do think also that content creators, independent content creators are, start, are gonna have a lot more tools at their disposal where they'll be able to start doing some very cool things. Um, and then ultimately down the road, how do we turn content into some type of money-making machine and engine for everybody? Um, I think that becomes real as, you know, we all live through, uh, you know, another lens, whether it's our own or somebody that we know, I think that absolutely is going to become something that's going to really take off over the next couple of years. I think that's an important point, especially for independent content creators, right, who are seeking to make a living doing what they love. And historically, the only path to monetization were passive platform ad monetization, which you know, is helpful, but requires a lot of scale or concentrated eyeballs to, to, to get some real revenue there. You can do branded sponsorships, which a number of, you know, uh, creators will do to pay the bills. But now that there are opportunities to sell their own custom branded products or, you know, um, do licensing deals or affiliate models, right, that they've realized commerce is a great way for them to monetize, right? It's a great additional uh, revenue stream to help support their, their business. And so, shoppable video seems like a really organic native way for them to promote the products they're creating or the products they love to their fans without having to necessarily always be monetizing through advertising or these more interruptive experiences. 
Oh, totally. And, and I mean, you use the word organic. It's it, that word is used a lot in the market today. And the, it's always been a, a, what we believe in. It has to feel authentic. It has to be organic. It cannot be, you know, I'm sponsored by ABC brand and I'm just going to continue to push it. Like it has to feel real and, you know, adding in the ability to then get those products, you know, as it's being described, but not having to use, you know, an annotation or a button or something on top of the video, because all of a sudden the brain is like, now I'm, I'm just being sold to like, you kind of know you're being sold to, but if it's not super apparent, you're okay with it because we know we're being sold to 24 hours a day, but that goes back to kind of more of that organic experience. And then the content creator side, making sure that, you know, it is authentic. And that's ultimately now that those are the ones that are, are doing really well. They've created a very authentic, real experience that is interesting to a lot of people. And those are the ones that are able to monetize, you know, pretty decently, but they still don't have the ability to, to directly sell. They're just, they're showing it's all about exposure. And, you know, we believe that it can be so much better for, for the content creator. And then, you know, also for the brand that's spending a lot of money. What does the future hold for Clicktivated? The future kind of combines a little bit of everything that we've talked about. Um, you know, as, as we continue forward and as we continue to lead this new interactive and shoppable transformation, um, you know, there's a lot of new technology that we're rolling out. Um, and we just became the, the first, we rolled out our, our live streaming shoppable tech at the end of last year to create direct interaction within a live stream. Um, again, when it comes to live or pre-recorded, it's all about making it easy and just not being overly salesy, which we were able to do, which has been very, very um, kind of eye-opening to the market and seeing what live is doing. So we definitely envision a lot more live video coming out. Our automated engines are getting a lot smarter, um, which allows us to really kind of pinpoint exact items and products um, using our engine and do it very, very quickly. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of very cool things. There's some pretty substantial partnerships that I, I can't get into from a distribution standpoint, but there's, uh, there's a lot on the horizon for Clicktivated. And, you know, our goal is to become the, you know, the go-to and the premier player in the space. And we've, we've laid that foundation. We've got some awesome big time clients and uh, we're, uh, we're doing some very cool things and things are going to start to move here pretty quickly as, uh, as we move forward. Awesome. Excited to see some of those upcoming announcements soon. And, and Chris, one of my favorite questions to ask people who come on the show, obviously you've been building businesses in this space for a, a decade now. So as you think about the white sit base that's out there, what are the new opportunities? If you were going to build a new business in the digital media space today, what would you do? I would do exactly what I'm doing right now, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's, and that's, I swear that's not a cop out, but you know, we were just really early to the party. So we had been building this business for a while, but we were just, we were the first ones that showed up and there was nobody at the party yet. So it had taken a long time, but the, the whole interactive and shoppable space is, you know, to me, the most interesting thing in media right now because of the opportunity and what it really represents to just changing how we all consume content. So I would be doing the exact same thing, even if I was just dropped in here today and had you know, no previous experience in this space because this is, this is what I'm passionate about. Um, and there's so much going on here that <laughs> this is, uh, this is the, you know, 
we're having a lot of fun doing it. And this just represents the next big evolution of video. So it's, that's, that's how I'm going to answer. So hopefully I didn't feel like too much, but. <laughs> No, not at all. Sure. No, I, I love it when entrepreneurs are still just as passionate on, on, you know, year five as they are on day one about building their startup. It's just, I find that there's a part of the, your brain as an entrepreneur that you can't shut off, that you're always looking at new things and saying, I would do this just a little bit different. Or I think that, you know, this industry could do with some updates or some changes. So it's, I'm always curious to hear what people have to say. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, but, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that I you know I would probably tweak from the past, but again, being dropped in here, definitely focusing on this industry, um, and yeah, fantastic. That's all I got. You're right. I can't. <laughs> the brain never turns off, and this no is, worries. This is everything in the world right now. So, Chris, where can people find out more about you and more about Clicktivated? <laughs> yeah, so um, you can find more information about the company at our website, Clicktivated.com. We're on all the the social platforms as well, just at Clicktivated. Um, and if you want to reach out, feel free to send us a note at hello at clicktivated.com. And we'd be more than happy to connect, explore opportunities. I'm always happy to, to help any kind of fellow entrepreneurs or new founders in the space. Um, I've always believed in that kind of give back mentality because I got a lot of help at the beginning. And if people have questions and they want to connect, feel free to reach out and I'm happy to, uh, happy to chat. Yeah, I love that. Paying it forward. Well, Chris, thanks for sharing your story. It's awesome to hear about all the exciting things happening in the interactive video space, all the opportunities for commerce. You know, it's something I've been following for years and it feels like we're finally getting closer and closer to that moment where brands are embracing it. And now, as you mentioned, as a result of the pandemic, they have to change and change fast. So it's awesome to hear what you guys are building and, and uh, appreciate you sharing some perspective on it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate you uh, having me on. I enjoyed this, it was fun. Thanks for tuning in. I'm James Creech, and this has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time.